0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of Yourself to us through Your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for You in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. There's so much we could say about our first reading this weekend. The Ten Commandments is found in the book of Exodus. For the interest of getting to the other two readings, however, we'll keep the discussion about our first reading relatively short also because the Ten Commandments are so well-known. The Ten Commandments are actually given twice in the Bible, once here in the 20th chapter of Exodus, but then again in the 5th chapter of Deuteronomy. In both instances, they match nearly word for word. And the Ten Commandments can also be found nearly word for word in other ancient manuscripts, showing us just how important the Ten Commandments were. People had them memorized, like the words of the National Anthem for us today. Also, there's a big debate about how to divide up the Ten Commandments. Some Christians will split the very first commandment into two and say that adoring God alone is first, while not making graven images of God is the second. Catholics, in contrast, divide the final commandment into two. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, and do not covet your neighbor's goods. Our second reading, although short, packs a powerful punch. Paul is writing to the Corinthians about the cross, which he describes as a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Let's look at both phrases. Remember that the Jews were anticipating a mighty Messiah who was going to arrive with power. He was going to kick butt and take names. Paul and the Christians are claiming that Jesus is this Messiah. And yet, how could this mighty Messiah have died the humiliating and shameful death of crucifixion? It doesn't compute. How can this be a display of God's power? Meanwhile, Greek culture was dominated by philosophers, literally lovers of wisdom. Great orators and eloquent speakers were treated like athletes and movie stars. They acquired great fame for their charm and cunning. Yet here, too, Jesus is certainly not a philosopher. How could dying on the cross be any sort of lesson in wisdom? But Paul says that the cross is both the power of God sought by the Jews as well as the wisdom of God sought by the Greeks. Our translation at Mass, which is a little wacky, fails to include an understood form of the verb to be. But this is what Paul is saying. We proclaim Christ crucified, which is Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. How can this be? Because the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. We turn now to the Gospel. It's Jesus' temple tantrum, if you will. In fact, all four Gospels recount this story, a further affirmation of its historical accuracy. But some background will help us tremendously to understand the circumstances of this event, and this is where I'd like to devote the most of our attention this weekend. The Gospel opens by telling us that the Passover of the Jews was near, and the Passover was a major pilgrimage event. Jews would arrive in Jerusalem from all over to celebrate the holiday. Think of it like how everyone travels for Thanksgiving, except if we all travel to the same city. And just as on Thanksgiving, everyone cooks a turkey, here with the Passover, everyone is going to need oxen, sheep, and doves to offer as sacrifices at the temple. Yet, you see, those who lived in Jerusalem and sold these animals knew they had a real upper hand, because the majority of pilgrims wouldn't be bringing these animals with them on their trip. The pilgrims had no choice but to purchase these animals for sacrifice in Jerusalem once they arrived. It's sort of like going to a professional baseball game. You're not allowed to bring in your own food, right? But then the vendors know you have to buy food at the game. What do they do? They hike up the price. But to push the baseball game analogy even further, imagine that as you purchase food at this hypothetical baseball game, you have to do so only with a specific currency available at the ballpark. This is sort of like what happened at the temple. Foreigners were not allowed to pay for anything in the temple with their own money because their coinage had images of kings and rulers on it, which was a direct violation of what we heard in the first reading about having other gods before the Lord God. So money changers were needed to exchange this currency for money acceptable to purchase the animals. This is why money changers were present in the temple. And we can safely assume that these money changers, too, probably were not the most fair of businessmen. All of this is to say that when Jesus drives out the animals as well as the money changers in the gospel this weekend... He's doing so not only because he was upset at the sight of commerce taking place at the very doorstep of the house of God, but also, and although this is not explicit in the text, this commerce was likely also fleecing the average pilgrim, pun intended. Jesus' anger is directed towards this injustice. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this Sunday, the third Sunday in Lent of year B. It's just a reminder, if Sunday setup helps you better prepare for Sunday Mass, Be sure to please spread the word and share this podcast with a friend. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.